0: What do you see as you go about your ways in this world? Today, our focus is that we might have the mind of Christ, that as we go out into the world, that we might think like Christ, that we might see like Christ, and that we might act like Christ. May the words of our mouths today be pleasing to our Lord. Amen. In today's passage, Paul indirectly engages us in the language of the three persons of the Holy Trinity. We as Christians understand that as God, Spirit, and Son. God, Spirit, Son. We live with humility which points away from us and towards God, our Creator. We are controlled by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit which points us to the Spirit. We are transformed to have the mind of Christ which points us to the person of Jesus Christ. God, Spirit, Son. Three in one, one in three. Unity in the midst of diversity. An important message Paul is giving to the fragmented Corinthian church. He was writing to a church, as you recall, that had become splintered, plagued with division, and even other problems that did not line up with the teachings of Jesus Christ. There are at least four different political groups that we've addressed in 1 Corinthians already, and Paul called them out and, and said, listen, you can't continue to act this way. You've got to be one. He knew that if the church were to survive, that they needed to hear this message, and they needed to change, and change fast. So he took them back to their start. He would remind the Corinthian Christians of their quite counter-cultural beginnings. And he challenged them to remember what they were when they were first called. He said, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth." sort of like the toys on the island of misfit toys in the story Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Many of you know that. No one would ever expect anything great to come out of those misfit toys. No one would ever expect anything great to come out of the simple, ordinary, broken people of Corinth. But Paul continues in chapter 1, starting at verse 27. He reminds them of their beginnings. But God, he says, but God... Anytime you hear those words or read them in Scripture, God is always trying to show us something new or something different or remind us of something. Verse 27, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. And then he quoted the prophet Jeremiah, where he says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. If we're going to boast in anything, he says, let's boast in the Lord. Let's get ourselves out of the way so God gets the credit. You know, sometimes people are like, well, I don't like to clap in church. And so often you're moved and you're like, should I or shouldn't I? And sometimes we say, let's give the Lord a hand getting ourselves out of the way and giving God the glory for whatever we had just experienced. Paul says, let us boast in the Lord. I see two vital character traits or quality traits in the text here. Transparency and humility. Transparency uh, simply meaning to be open, uh, sort of like an open book, to be real, to be vulnerable before others. And then humility meaning putting others first and stepping back ourselves. Writer John Ortberg reminds us of what people in the first century thought were important as far as character goes. He says that transparency and humility weren't considered important quality traits in the Roman world. He writes, "...the way of the hero exalted many wonderful qualities, courage and excellence and persistence, overcoming obstacles... Self discipline, self mastery, but humility was not an admired quality. Have you ever thought about that? It just seems strange to me, but it's true. Humility was not an admired quality in the first century Roman world. It was not considered desirable. What was desirable was greatness. But you and I know. And Paul is reminding the Corinthian Christians of what Jesus did regarding greatness and what He said. He turned it upside down. After disciples James and John were requesting special preferential treatment, Jesus said to the disciples, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And surely Paul had this in mind when he penned some of the most well-known verses in all of the New Testament that we find in Corinthians, I mean in Philippians chapter 2. Speaking of Jesus, he says, "Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself." There's that word. He humbled himself, putting others first, taking the attention off of himself, and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. I believe that if we are going to have any chance at reaching this cynical and divided and secular world in which we live, today we must as Christian people be transparent and humble, open and vulnerable, and humble. And then people may see God's light through us. We are, after all, called to be salt of the earth and light of the world, as you heard read earlier. So first, transparency and humility, I believe, are essential in the Christian witness. I pray that I would do better in those areas. I I, I would imagine you all would join me in that prayer. Paul writes in chapter 2, these words, starting at verse 1. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you. I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you in the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with Wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That's humility. That's transparency. That's humility. Verse 5: so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Paul simply wanted them to see Jesus. He got himself out of the way. He was transparent and he was humble. Some of you might be familiar with Ken Blanchard. He's a guy of the One Minute Manager book, but also has written Lead Like Jesus. I really like his thinking. And he argues that humility is the central ingredient in effective leadership. And I believe in, in the Christian faith. He writes, Leading like Jesus means leading with humility, which requires knowing whose you are and who you are. Humility is a heart attitude that reflects a keen understanding of your limitations to accomplish something on your own. And then his book he quotes Jim Collins, the writer of Good to Great, who said, "A leader with a humble heart looks out the window to find and applaud the true causes of success and in the mirror to find and accept responsibility for failure." Out the window to others for success and in the mirror for responsibility for my failures. Blanchard continues. A leader that does a leader who does not a leader who does that is not coming from low self-esteem. Got it? A leader who does those things is not coming from low self-esteem. In fact, he writes, people with humility don't think less of themselves, they think of themselves less. And if I were blogging right now, I'd blog that. People with humility don't think less of themselves. They think of themselves less. Powerful words. One of his leadership lessons came when he was in seventh grade. And he writes when he came home one day and shared with his dad, who was a decorated World War II Navy veteran in the South Pacific, that he was elected president of his 7th grade class. He was all excited. And then his dad said this, Son, it's great that you've been elected president, but now that you have that position, don't ever use it as a way of getting others to do what you want. The best use of power is not to have to use it at all. People follow great leaders because they respect them, not because they have great power. The humility Jesus demonstrated did not arise from a lack of self-esteem, a lack of love, a lack of power, and a lack of ability. His, his humility came from the fact that He knew who He was, where He came from, where He was going, and whose He was. That permitted Him to treat people with love and respect. Humility is realizing and emphasizing the importance of others. It's not putting yourself down, it's lifting others up. It's saying to yourself and others, I am precious in God's sight, and so are you. Transparency and humility are vitally important to the Christian witness. And then Paul also wants us to remember something else as we hear his teaching to the Corinthians. That the Christian faith is more than salvation. Christians are called to more than salvation. Yes, salvation is that beginning where we enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ. We invite Him into our heart and invite Him to be Lord over all of our lives. But we don't stop there, there's a whole lot more. Paul addresses spiritual maturity and then reminds them of how the Spirit is at work in their lives. And we'll read verses 6 through 13 today. By the way, there's a lot here. There's no way we can do justice to all that he says, so I'll try to make a couple of points in this section. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, expecting people to grow into spiritual maturity but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom. A mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understand it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written speaking of all of the things that God has planned for us, He writes, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. He's prepared us for a whole lot more. We are saved as believers, and then He has a mission for us. He desires for us to employ the wisdom that He's given us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Those things He's prepared for the ones He loves. Verse 10, These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have revealed, received, is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. And then verse 13, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Spirit, Spirit, Spirit. Paul echoes the importance of dwelling Spirit within us and then living that out. He speaks of the difference between people who have the Spirit and people who do not have the Spirit. We all have friends who aren't Christians. Schoolmates who aren't Christians. People that we see in our world who aren't believers. We cannot expect them to uphold the same standards of Jesus' teaching that Paul is echoing because they don't know. But we know He's given us that secret, and it has been revealed, the power of the Spirit, the ways of Jesus, and we are to be examples, and that is transparency and humility and living like Jesus, having the mind of Christ. We can't expect others to live like Jesus if they don't know Jesus, and that is our mission to help them to know and then he says, There is more. We are given the gift of the Spirit. The Spirit indwells the believers. The Spirit searches our hearts. The Spirit teaches us and convicts us. And then in verses 14 through 16, the Spirit matures the believer. And I believe the fruit of spiritual transformation is simply to be like Jesus, to have the mind of Christ. And we see that in Paul's final words in this chapter, verses 14 through 16. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are dis- discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things, but such a person is not subject merely to human judgment For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct Him? And then Paul says, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ because we've been transformed. To have the mind of Christ is to think like Christ. To see the world like Christ. And to act like Christ. To think like Jesus to see with Jesus' lenses, with spirit eyes, and to act like Jesus in this world. When Jesus comes into the heart, Jesus also renews the mind. When giving becomes a joy instead of a drag, we are beginning to act like Jesus. When taking part of the weak and the helpless and the oppressed becomes second nature, we are beginning to act like Jesus. When service becomes our strongest reason for living instead of gathering money and things, we are beginning to think and act like Jesus. When heaven comes near and we begin to think like kingdom people, And when this earth and her standards are no longer important to us, we are beginning to act and think like Jesus. When the radical gospel Jesus lived and preached begins to come out in our lives, we are becoming spiritually mature people. We are thinking like Jesus. We are seeing like Jesus. We are acting like Jesus. And we are beginning to discern the ways of the Spirit. And we are being saved in all our parts, as Paul says, to work out our salvation. It is a process. And I love how Paul sums this up in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test and approve what God's will is. God's good, God's pleasing, God's perfect will for our lives. Think like Jesus. See like Jesus. Act like Jesus. Father God, I pray that You just help me to get out of the way. Even right here now, that I would just be able to to step into the shadow of the cross and that people would see You. And that as we go from this place today, we would hope that people would see Jesus in us. Forgive us when we fail you. Restore us by your grace. As we break bread together today, we are reminded of your love. Through Christ we pray.